0: Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study.
1: Jesus, name above all names, I worship you. Jesus,
0: worthy
1: to be praised.
0: I worship you. Welcome to another episode of 20 Minute Bible Studies. Romans 10:17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Over the next 20 minutes, you're going to hear an important message directly from God's Word and have your faith and knowledge increased. All you have to do is listen. Now, here are your teachers.
1: Hi, everybody. I'm Jordan Pine. And I'm Andy Balog. Welcome to another episode of 20 Minute Bible Studies. Today, we're going to take up a challenging topic, the Great Salvation. It's challenging because it requires laying some important groundwork before we can clearly explain what the Great Salvation is. We're going to attempt to do this in this short format. So let's begin
0: by listening to the Word of God. A reading from the Letter to the Hebrews. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. For if the words spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders, and by various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. That was Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word.
1: Okay, so let's start with the SPACE method. SPACE is just an acronym that reminds us to consider the SP, speaker, A. Audience and C. Context of a Bible reading before attempting an E. Explanation. The speaker here is the author of Hebrews, who is unknown. Some say it's Paul, some say Luke, and some think it was one of Paul's contemporaries, such as Apollos or Barnabas or even Priscilla. Whoever it is, this person is clearly a respected church leader, speaking under, of course, inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The audience, the A, as the name of this letter suggests, is Hebrews or Jewish Christians. And as for the context, the letter to the Hebrews was written to give encouragement and also to give a warning. The warning is uh, evident in our reading today. It says, do not drift away. Don't backslide into the rituals of the law because you're being persecuted. It also says that Jesus Christ was the Messiah and that has been confirmed by the eyewitness to his death and resurrection. As well as signs and wonders, various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit. Our reading also begins with the phrase, for this reason. Andy, what is this reason?
2: Well, Jordan, if you go back to chapter 1,
1: it's all about Jesus being
2: superior to any angel. Now, that chapter begins by saying, God, quote, has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he, meaning Jesus, is the radiance of his, meaning God the Father's, glory. He is the exact representation of his nature. So then the author explains that after Jesus died for our sins and then ascended, that he sat down at the right hand of God, having become, quote unquote, much better than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. Now, Chapter 1 ends with an interesting verse, and the verse that comes right before our scripture reading reads, quote, are they, meaning the angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation, end quote. So let's keep that phrase, those who will inherit salvation, in mind as we continue this study.
1: Yeah, I also wanted to mention, Andy, that this particular chapter of Hebrews is, um, is an essential chapter for those who have ever encountered the argument that Jesus Christ is not God, but he's an angel. Hebrews is basically written to rebut or to refute that argument. And it's a very, very compelling argument that goes back into the Old Testament and quotes a lot of Old Testament scripture. So if you ever do encounter that argument um, that Jesus was not God, he was some sort of angel. Just read Hebrews 2, and I think it will put that argument to rest. And also, you mentioned those who will inherit salvation. I think, you know, as kingdom seekers and those with the spiritual eyes and ears, uh, to hear the kingdom truths, as soon as you hear a phrase like that, those who will inherit salvation, it kind of makes your ears perk up, and, and hopefully we'll have a chance to get into that a little bit more. But now that we've considered the speaker, audience, and context, we're ready to dive into this topic to get to the E of the SPACE acronym, which is the explanation. You know, the first thing we need to talk about here is the word salvation. And, you know, it, it sounds strange to say that, but it is a, uh, an interesting word in the sense that, you know, wh- when we read it in the English, we have to pause for a minute and consider many different uh, aspects of it, such as the verb tense and what that word is actually saying. And, and I promise you that if you dig into that in the original languages, you, you will learn quite a bit about the Bible you didn't know before. In the Greek, this word is soteria, uh, and it derives from the word for savior or deliverer. Which is interesting because the name Jesus also means deliverer, or literally Jehovah is salvation. And that Greek name comes from the Hebrew name Joshua, or Yeshua, which means the same thing. So Joshua in the Bible, one of the the two spies that um, went into the promised land and came back and said, we can actually do this. Um, you know, and Joshua became the replacement for Moses, that name actually means deliverer as well, and, and the name Jesus is actually a derivation of that name. Anyway, the word soteria is enhanced here in Hebrews by a Greek word that is literally translated so great or such a great, which gives us this sense of so great a salvation or such a great salvation, or just as as we've said, the great salvation. But here are some important questions that Kingdom seekers should ask about this particular uh, word, and that is, what is being saved or delivered? Into what? And by what means or method? Of course, the simplest and most common answer is, Our spirit was saved from hell by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. But of course, many of those words must be examined as well. In particular, the subject of that sentence, our spirit, the verb was saved. And that word faith, you know, our spirit, you know, is just one part of us. We also have a soul and a body, as we've covered in a previous episode, speaking of the, uh, the triune nature of man or tripartite, three-part uh, nature of man. And that sort of raises the question of, you know, how are our soul and our body saved?
2: Yeah, I mean, those are great questions, Jordan. And, I, and it kind of makes me think of Pastor Whipple and what he used to say to us all the time in his tape ministry, especially. And one would be correct, a Christian would be correct by saying, biblically correct, that I was saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. You know, the Bible speaks of salvation in all three of these verb tenses. And to briefly recap, you know, to get an understanding, in the past tense, we learn a lot about the word justification when talking of salvation. And when we think about our spirit, our spirit was saved once, From all sin when jesus died on the cross for us was buried for three days and three nights and was raised by his father so at that point our spirit was eternally saved now the word sanctification also comes up in the bible and that's part of the present tense salvation but that's speaking directly of our soul in the triune part of man and the soul as we talked about in prior episodes has to do more about our our day-to-day living our personality if you will and then finally glorification It's an event that will happen in the future, it's the future tense. And whenever we read that in the Bible, that's speaking directly about the body when the body will be raptured. Now, the key point here is that our English Bible often just uses salvation in the past, present, or future tense to describe all three, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, and so we we need to be conscious of the verb tense there, whether it's talking about, as you said, justification, sanctification, or glorification in the different parts of our being. Now let's talk about that word faith as well. We know that faith alone is sufficient for past tense salvation. And, and and I want to emphasize that because sometimes when we get into these discussions about soul salvation, body salvation, you know, people can get confused. So, if we're talking about as you said Andy, you know, the the salvation that occurred once and for all with the death of Jesus Christ and our and our belief in that sacrifice, then we're talking about, you know, salvation by faith alone, past tense, once for all and that's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. And we sometimes call this first tense salvation. But faith alone is not sufficient for ongoing sanctification, and you mentioned that word, which is in the present or continuous tense, and we call that sometimes second tense salvation. Of course, don't get me wrong, faith is certainly required for ongoing sanctification in the present tense. We must have faith that Jesus Christ is just and that if we confess our sins, he will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1, 9. Faith is also required to, quote, put to death, as the Bible says, the sinful deeds of the body, as the Apostle Paul put it in Romans 8, and let the spiritual man rule over the carnal or fleshly man, as he explained in the Apostle Paul, that is, in First Corinthians 3. In fact, it's only through faith and allowing the Spirit to work through us that we can do anything beneficial for God. But the point here is that we must do things for God. We must produce good works in order to save the soul or achieve that ongoing second tense salvation, that sanctification that the Bible speaks about. If not, and if we let our flesh rule, we put our future tense salvation at risk, which is the third type of salvation.
2: Thanks, Jordan, for that. So as part of the first tense spirit salvation, we do have assurance that our body will be raised from the dead someday at the rapture. And you could read about that, everybody who's listening, that's in First Thessalonians chapter 4. Now, the resurrection of the dead to life is a key part of the spirit salvation doctrine. And it's also important to remember that we will be raised in order to be judged. And how we are judged will determine what happens next to us. And to get a good window of that, you could look at Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 specifically. And for all our listeners, I will read that. And it says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed or paid in full for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether they were good or bad. Now, we sometimes call this process qualification, and that's definitely distinguishable from glorification. And, you know, that's another way of thinking of the three tenses of salvation. Again, it's, it's past tense justification present tense sanctification, and then, of course, the future tense qualification. But Jordan, when we talk about qualifying, what are we specifically
1: saying? You're right. It's an important question. Qualifying for what, right? And the qualification is for the literal thousand-year reign of Christ Jesus on earth, also known as the millennial kingdom. And this is where the fate of the body comes in. So we've talked about the spirit, we've talked about the soul, and now we're talking about the fate of the body, the third part of man, or a third part of every person, including you and me as believers. And at the highest level of reward, those who are judged worthy to rule and reign with Christ Jesus or King Jesus will receive a glorified body like he has a glorified body. Meanwhile, on the other end of the spectrum, those who are judged to have fallen away, rejecting Jesus as Lord, for example, as Lord of their lives while they were alive, they will be slain, quote unquote, as it says in the parable of the Minas, Luke 19. In other words, they will suffer the second death and lose their bodies for a thousand years. Please notice what we're not saying, though. We're not saying that believers can be disqualified in a way that results in their souls and bodies not being saved. We're not saying that. You no, know, thanks to what Jesus Christ did on the cross, their spirits are saved no matter what, and they can never be cast into eternal hell. But after the millennial kingdom, all three parts of every believer will be restored, and that's Revelation 21.4 if you want to look it up, because of that finished work.
2: Yeah, I mean, to support that point, Jordan, you know, you mentioned something earlier. You said that those who have fallen away, speaking specifically of Christians, reject Jesus as Lord. Please don't get that confused with rejecting Jesus as Savior, because the moment that we accept Jesus' calling, at that point, we are saved forever. Our spirit, our first ten salvation is forever and ever and ever. After that, it's up to us to decide how we want to live having jesus lord in our life and and deciding to make jesus lord in our life is what is essential for us to to bring us into this great salvation so and and that segues into my point here so we've discussed three types of salvation so far the past tense salvation of the spirit or justification right so basically what that means is in a court of law in god the father's court because of what jesus did on the cross for us we are justified which means that our, our spirit is forever saved. Then there's the ongoing present tense salvation of the soul, or sanctification, which basically means stay cleansed and set apart over and over and over again daily. Constantly confess your sins, live a righteous life, stay strong in the word, be fruitful in your life, and that's continually ongoing. And there's many times that we can fall away, but of course, you know, we, we live the righteous Christian life in order to pick ourselves up and stay on the, the lighted path. And there's a reason for that, of course, and that's the great salvation. And then finally, the future tense salvation of the body, which can be broken down into redemption and possibly glorification. And that's at the point of after the rapture, because our bodies right now are are not in the glorified state. We're still in that that old body that you know it, it gets corrupted, it dies um, if it's not raptured. You know, our body right now can't make it the way it is now, but one day we will be glorified, and the rapture is the timeline of when that begins. So the redemption of the body, again, is guaranteed as part of the spirit salvation. Redeemed, that's the key word. The glorification of the body is by no means guaranteed as it depends on what happens during the qualification at the judgment seat of Christ. And that's the key thing to keep in mind always when we're talking of salvation. And then now comes this final type of salvation, the great salvation. And we've been alluding to that you know, throughout this episode. So this is a concept tied to the Apostle Paul's special revelation which he did specifically call my gospel. And we see that in Romans chapter 16, verse 25, and I will read that for everyone. Now to him who was able to establish you according to, here it is, my gospel, not the gospel of grace, and not even the gospel of the kingdom. This is my gospel, something specific that was given to Paul. And the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which has been kept secret for long
1: ages past. Yeah, Andy, in his book, The Matthew Mysteries, Pastor Whipple, who is the founder of this ministry, by the way, he wrote, quote, Paul's gospel stated simply, tells us that those of the Gentile church age, that is, saved Jews and Gentiles, will have the right to enter the kingdom, become the bride of Christ, and as a result, become co-heirs with him when he comes to establish his kingdom over the earth. Those who attain to this high position must earn the right to do so by producing righteous works." And he goes on to highlight that Paul calls this gospel, which was apparently only revealed to him in full, a mystery kept secret from the beginning of the world, which means it cannot be about salvation by grace. Why? Well, the gospel of grace was no mystery to the saints of old. Adam, Noah, Abraham, King David, and many other Old Testament saints were saved by grace, looking forward to Christ's sacrifice. Quote, the prophets also understood grace, Pastor Whipple writes. For example, quote, Isaiah prophesied of grace that should come upon us. He wrote of Jesus's death on the cross, end quote. So yeah, he's saying that Isaiah prophesied the coming and the death of Jesus Christ. So they all knew about grace, and therefore, this my gospel cannot be about the gospel of grace.
2: Okay, Jordan, for the sake of our listeners at home, so this great salvation mentioned in Hebrews, has to be about something else. It's a new mystery revealed, and Jesus was the first to teach it. And that's according, again, to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3 from our scripture reading today, which says, after it, speaking of the great salvation, was at first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. So again, some will be tempted to interpret this as being about Jesus being the Messiah and the doctrine of salvation by grace, but Those with spiritual eyes and ears will know that this is not correct. Jordan, for one thing, the coming of the Messiah is no mystery.
1: Yeah, we alluded to that earlier. Isaiah 53 even made the exact details of the Messiah clear well in advance. As for salvation by grace, it's important to realize that Jesus Christ's ministry was to people who were already, quote unquote, saved in the national sense. And we've talked about this before. You know, he told his disciples to only go to the lost sheep of Israel no one else and that's matthew 10 5 and 6. even after his ascension the apostles were still focused on israel and the promises of the kingdom for them it was paul the apostle paul who brought the gospel to the rest of the world to the gentiles now some may say that was the mystery right the adoption of the gentiles and they will reason that paul called it my gospel and the author of hebrews called it the great salvation because they were talking about grace going beyond the Jewish world, beyond the Jews, to the whole Gentile world. And I think that's true in a sense. It's definitely a part of it. But if you read the many books of the Bible that Paul wrote as letters to these churches, you'll notice something very important. These letters really aren't about salvation by grace. They're about salvation into the kingdom and the works required to accomplish that. In other words, Paul's gospel is mostly the gospel of the prize, not the gospel of the gift. Andy, can you reiterate for our listeners the difference between the prize and the gift? Sure, Jordan. So in summary, the gift is completely
2: different from the prize in that the gift is something that I would compare to maybe getting for free without having to earn it. Think about your birthday present, think about a Christmas present that someone might give you, that would be a gift. And they're not expecting anything in return or in trade. However, a prize, is something that you need to earn. It's something that you practice to try to to try to win, right? And good scriptures for everyone listening at home, if you want to mark this, is for the gift is Romans chapter 3, verses 23 to 24, Romans 6, 23, and Romans 11 29. And if you want to see the difference in what the Bible says regarding the prize, go to Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 27 and 2 Timothy chapter 2,
1: verse 5. So to conclude, the salvation that we read about today is the salvation of all three parts of a believer, spirit, soul, and body, into the highest levels of the kingdom. A saved spirit, a qualified soul, and a glorified body, ruling and reigning with Christ Jesus. That is the great salvation, and that is our lesson. Until next time,
2: we leave you again with the words of the Apostle Paul, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: And that's our lesson, which means we have just a few minutes to explain our initiative, Get 20, Give 20. Get 20 is our reminder that you can get a
2: 20-minute Bible study anytime you like by visiting our website.
1: We archive all lessons and make them available for free at 20minutebiblestudies.org. You can listen online or download them for later or even subscribe to the podcast version and have new lessons automatically delivered to your favorite smart device. Even more important, our website is the place where you can join in our Bible studies by sharing your comments and asking any questions you may have. And we have a growing Facebook community and a discussion forum. When you're on our site, you should also sign up for email alerts so we can let you know when new lessons have been added. Also, when you sign up for email alerts, our first email back to you will include a link to a special series we put together titled 10 Mind-Blowing Things You Didn't Know Were in the Bible. It's an eye-opening set of Bible lessons, and it's our little thank you for joining our online community. It's all online at 20minutebiblestudies.org.
2: Moving on to Give20. This is our special initiative to reach as many spiritually
1: hungry Christians as we can. We know so many Christians find it hard to make time to study God's Word and then feel guilty they're unable to do it. Studying the Word of God is so vital to our spiritual growth and yet it can be so hard sometimes to find a good study group and then attend that group on a regular basis. This is why we created 20 Minute Bible Studies. Everyone can find 20 Minutes for God and now, with this audio program, that's all Christians will need. They can listen to a Bible study whenever and wherever they like. The Give20 initiative is your chance to participate in this great ministry and receive the special blessings that come from spreading God's Word. By giving just $20 per month, you can help us create more lessons and reach more believers than ever before. Plus, we pledge that every cent you contribute will go directly toward recording and broadcasting more lessons like the one you heard today. And since our ministry is an official nonprofit registered with the government, your donation is also fully tax deductible. To join our Give 20 initiative, visit 20mbs.org and click donate. And finally, 20 Minute Bible
2: Studies is a ministry of Mysteries of the Kingdom, a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating Christians in preparation for the return of our Lord Jesus
1: Christ. If you liked what you heard today and want to go deeper into God's Word, we strongly recommend you visit the website of Mysteries of the Kingdom, MOTK.org.
2: Yes, these radio studies are just 20 minutes, but our MOTK lessons last as long as needed to fully understand whatever passage of Scripture we're studying.
0: Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple. Our music was recorded by the Abundant Life Worship Center. Our sound editor is J.P. Eli. I'm Steve Zioli, and until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. of the Kingdom Incorporated.